think this will be okay. Me, 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 me. Me, 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 me. So, so uh, what are you doing for Thanksgiving, Brendan? Uh, well, we're, let's see, on Thanksgiving Day. I'm recording, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, is this a small talk? <laughs> this oh. is, yeah, this is our small talk. Oh, there you go. Yeah. On, uh, on Thanksgiving Day, uh, we are... Uh, we're doing like an 11 o'clock lunch with my family and then somewhere around about one ish or two ish, we're leaving for West Tennessee Okay. and doing that and then meeting them for an early supper for your wife's family. Yeah. For, yeah. Yeah. For the West Tennessee wife family. Yeah. 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 Not to be confused with my middle Tennessee wife family. (laughs) Those paths will never cross. Yeah. I'm certain of that. Let's hope not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we are, um, my brother's coming down from oh, Va- yeah, yeah. Uh, Virginia. Uh, he'll, be, he'll be down. Virginia. Oh, Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be very careful uh, how you say that. Old Dominion, yeah. Mm, yeah. He's coming down uh, early next week and uh, spending the week uh, with us. So we're going to have some, I don't know what we're going to do. We're talking mm. about going hunting a little bit, which we always oh, like to do. Well, sure, yeah. Yeah. And um, Now that... Now that rifle season is upon us. Rifle season is almost upon us. Yes. Not not to be confused with muzzleloader season. Not to be confused with muzzleloader season. That's right. That's right. So I am a I am a hunter, dear listeners. <laughs> yeah, um, I am a hunter and a fisherman, and I like doing stuff outside. So, so there's that. If that offends you, um, and you find it no longer, um, you're no longer <laughs> able to listen to this podcast with that knowledge in hand. Um, then uh, I'm sorry, but God be with you. I am what I am. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, so next week, like I've I've been, I've been racking my brain about how, you know, normally we record these episodes once a week on Thursday, on Thursday. (laughs) So we're not going to be recording next Thursday. Right. Right. And we may not record at all. So I don't know. We have one episode left to do in the chosen Uh and I don't exactly know how we're going to make that fly before before then so what i what i might do next week is uh go back and look and find out which which episode we've done thus far this is episode 40 by the way mm-hmm. four zero yes which is uh, something of a milestone so what i may do next week is figure out which uh, which episode has been the most popular with listeners and do a kind of a a rewind mm. play air that again next week sure for anybody that's interested yeah and then pick up with um uh, the chosen, the last episode of the chosen, or the way or, after that, or you could just do like a, a short little Thanksgiving devotion. I, I could do that. I could do that if if you, I, if, if you wanted to. If I if, if I wanted to. If I can figure out what I want to say that's worth saying. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. I can say things, and they're not always <laughs> worth saying. <laughs> well, right? welcome to being human. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can so all say I, things. I, you know, which you know, when we're when we're talking just us, you know, I say all kinds of things that sure. I don't necessarily feel like would be beneficial to anyone else if I put them out there in the, you know, in the podcast of fear or whatever they call it. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, so I, I you know, I, I try to be sensitive to the, the people who listen to this and make it oh, they're, at least, at least something I think is worthwhile. They're listening for personality. Uh, uh, <laughs> they're, they're in trouble. <laughs> I don't oh, know that. Man. I don't have much of that. Well, folks, this is Ron Longwell. And I'm glad you're here today for another edition of the Jesus Society podcast, a conversation exploring relationship, renewal, and purpose in the kingdom of God. This is 
as we said, episode 40 of the Jesus Society podcast. Yay, 40. That's right. And today we're going to be discussing episode 7 uh, of The Chosen, um, which is called, uh, titled Invitations. Mm-hmm. This is uh, this is Dallas Jenkins, uh, the show's creator's this is his favorite episode. This for, is for very good for reason. very good reason. So we're yes. gonna get we're gonna get into that. Um, this is the, he he feels like this is the this episode is the centerpiece um, of uh, season one. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, I have a few factoids to, to share about Lay it. Lay about it on them. about the chosen. So several of us have been wondering uh, where the chosen was filmed. Do you know this? Do you know the answer? I, I know this, yeah. You know this, yeah. okay. But go ahead. Well, go ahead. I, I didn't know this. So after exhaustive and tedious research this week, which was done by my wife, <laughs> who consulted Wikipedia. <laughs> um, that was good. Season one. That was a good punchline there. Season one was filmed over a period of 60 days in Weatherford, Texas. Now, mm-hmm. I know where Weatherford, Texas is. I've been through Weatherford, Texas. Apparently. Was it worth staying? Um, well, I've, if you've I've, been I've, through, I've never stayed. Oh, okay, but okay. it's always it's between. I used to live in Abilene, and mm. Weatherford is between Abilene and Dallas. Ah, um, it's okay. closer to Dallas than Abilene. But okay. Okay. so every time I've been through there, I've been either going to or from one of those two places, and so there's just never been really a point to stop, except maybe to go to the bathroom. <laughs> but that's another thing. Well, there you go. Anyway, so apparently in Weatherford, and this I did not know, there is a uh, Capernaum village that somebody created um, th- there in Weatherford, Texas, uh, oh. which offers film set rental, and um, it's a it's a bit of a tourist thing. Now, so that I did not know. That's I, interesting. I, I did not know that either. Um, uh, thank you to my dear wife for oh, covering this uh, this bit of uh, information. Um, it's, so it's, they, they tried to recreate, you know, the historical Capernaum and that's where they filmed this. Nice. Uh, season one, um, season two, interestingly mm-hmm. now moved. This has caused quite a stir. Um, perhaps I, Perh- I don't know about yeah. such stir, but I yes. can see why it could have happened. Yes. Season two moved filming to Utah, um, Utah's version of ancient Israel in Goshen, Utah. Mm-hmm where the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, otherwise known as the Mormons, mm-hmm. um, built a replica of Jerusalem um, for a movie set to film, so they could use to film scenes from their Bible and Book of Mormon videos. Um, I've, I don't know anything about it, um, and probably the stir that you, of which you refer has to do with the fact that they're using Mormon things. Yes. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, I don't know anything about that, um, but apparently it's a pretty good replica, so they're, well, yeah. u- they're using it for The Chosen. Well, of course it is. Which yeah. is really all I care about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, another little bit of research, that this, like this I uncovered, this is me. Oh, right? okay. So one of the things I have really been impressed with in The Chosen is how well that they've done on getting the, the, the biblical... Um, historical and cultural details, right? Right. You know, cause you can make a movie and, and if you don't get some of that stuff, right, it, it will fall flat. Sure. Right. At least to anybody that knows. Yeah. Um, they've, I have been really impressed with how the little details have fit. We've talked about some of that on here. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially with the, uh, the Mason tools. 
the, the like the, for one example yeah for yeah. for one example but yeah. lots of other things too lots sure. of other things they yeah, yeah. they've done a really good job of getting some of that stuff and and those are the that's sort of the 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 background music as it were that makes the 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 whole thing flow really yeah. well um so as it turns out when they were putting this together they assembled a team of um uh, scholars religious experts um, for lack of a better term, to kind of look at the scripts, um, including providing facts about the, the 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 context of the of the biblical stories, uh, some of the cultural, the socio political stuff um, that would have that would have you know been part of the the warp and the woof mm-hmm. of first century life in Palestine. Mm-hmm. Um, so they 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 assembled assembled a team of experts to kind of kind of help them with this stuff and and it's it's been fantastic it like i from what i know and i have some training in all this uh i I don't consider myself an expert on first century palestine but the things i do know they have been spot on Uh, so i'm impressed so that's that's where that came they they did some work this didn't just happen by chance okay all right so okay with all that nine minutes in we will finally get around to talking about this episode. Mm. Um, so there's a there's an opening scene as as there always is, mm-hmm. um, and this is the opening scene for this episode. Uh, we're told is the um, the Sinai Peninsula in the 13th century BC, and as it opens up, Joshua is talking to Moses. Mm. So we're really going back for this. Uh, as it, as it turns out, a bunch of people uh, in the in the Israelite camp have died during the night, 300 or so to be exact. Uh, Moses is, while they're talking, Moses is doing a little blacksmith work. So I didn't know Moses was a blacksmith, but you know, if it's in the chosen, it's absolute, right? (laughs) There you go. There you go. So he's, he's making something. And Joshua says, um, that, um, hundreds fall by the day and for every serpent we kill another 10 appear. And he's worried about what they're going to do with the body. So clearly what, what, what this is, this is the story of the bronze serpent, which is found in Numbers 21, mm-hmm. uh, 4 through 9. That's right. And if you are a Bible reader, which you should be if you're not, there you go. You'll be familiar with that story. If not, you should look it up and read it. Mm-hmm. So, what Moses is doing in this blacksmithing work is he is fashioning a bronze serpent. And he's talking about, um, they're, they're talking about sort of leaving the place where they're camped, they're setting out from that. Joshua thinks that there's too many people too sick to travel. But Moses says, after today, the only Hebrews too sick to walk will be those who choose to remain so, mm-hmm. which is interesting. So here's the rub in this story um, that, that always makes people kind of question a little bit. Moses is fashioning something that looks for all the world like an idol, mm-hmm. right? And Joshua, in, in this opening scene here, Joshua doesn't understand that. And, and so he's questioning Moses on what he's doing, making something that looks like an idol. Mm-hmm. And Moses says, this was not my idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So Joshua says, well, maybe you misunderstood God. And Moses is doing it because God told him to. Mm-hmm. And he says, maybe you misunderstood God. And Moses says, and I, I love this. He says, I have learned to do what he says without questioning. In other words, even when it doesn't make sense, which is a good way to respond to God. Yeah. You know? Yeah. When it doesn't make sense, just 
Take him at his word, right? So um, Joshua still doesn't understand. He says, help me understand. And Moses says that everything that they've been through, including this bronze serpent, is an act of faith, not reason. Boy, boy, howdy, if that's not a theme. Yeah. If if that's not a recurring motif. Yeah. Especially in this episode. Yeah. And it's it's a recurring motif in life with God, I, I think. Yeah. Right? You you know, we we live our lives as Christians with God and God throws us curveballs. Like it's it doesn't always it makes perfect sense to God, but we're you know, we're finite, we're limited. Mm-hmm. And so often things are counterintuitive. Yep. To us, right? So, so um, that's the opening scene, and then as we move through this, and I'm I'm going to try to kind of limit some of the you know rather than being too detailed in, in a lot of these, which I, I I tend to do. So the the first big scene, Matthew's Matthew's getting dressed. He's he's very meticulous, right? As as Somebody who's sort of, you know, the way they portray him is somebody with kind of Asperger's mm-hmm. sort of sort of a guy. He's very meticulous in all this, very precise and neat in the way he dresses himself. He, he gets out. Gaius is waiting for him there to escort him. Matthew seems to think this is a bit odd. Yeah. Right? He also thinks, uh, he well, he says later that it's, uh, oh, you, you must feel indebted to me because of your promotion with Quintus. Yeah, you know, like you, yeah. like you're just you're now you're now you're being nice to me because I help you get a raise or you know right something a like promotion. that promotion sure yeah. sure sure, um, and um, Gaia says he well you just got lucky in that conversation with Quintus and Matthew says there's no such thing as luck so Matthew says basically everything he does is calculating so Matthew's a like he's a numbers guy so he's always working the numbers what are the what are the odds mm-hmm. what are, what's you know. He's always, always very calculating. He's not like Han, he's not like Han Solo who says, "Never tell me the odds." Yeah, that's right. He, Matthew is one who calculates the <laughs> right, odds. Right, right. He is a man of reason. He is a man of reason. Yes, oh, a man of logic. A man of logic. Say. Yes, yes. And his his explanation for this, for being this way, he says, when you realize that nobody else in the world cares what happens to you, you think only about yourself. And and presumably, then you become very calculating. I almost said cold and calculating, but I don't think Matthew's cold. He's I, he's. I don't know. Unless reason is just cold reason, right? Right, right. Like he, like you, you can tell that he himself, like he still longs for relationship, and he still he still hurts with his family De- deeply, es- especially with what we're going to see in this episode later right. on. Right, uh, but. But when it comes to business, he's gonna he's gonna take care of business. He's gonna do what the numbers say. He's gonna go where his orders tell him to go. Yeah, that's that's right. So, that's right. Or at least so far. So at least so far. Mm. Yeah. So so Gaius says to him, for a fool, which you know, he still thinks of Jews as fools, and Matthew especially. Mm-hmm. For a fool, your brain has taken you far. And Matthew said, I thought so too. Mm. So Matthew, the cal- mm, the calculator, that's right, has been confronted with something that he just can't calculate. He's been tossed his stumbling block. He has, oh, yeah, man. and that stumbling block is Jesus. Mm-hmm. So this this idea of how Matthew is going to use his big brain um, is going to come back uh, into play later in this episode. So we need to we need to keep 
keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. So the next big scene, um, Nicodemus. Uh, he is he is in his house and he's pacing back and forth. He's a little pensive. His wife uh, Zohara comes in and she announces that she has received word from their granddaughter, daughter, their daughter, not their granddaughter, uh, or daughter-in-law. Not not really clear as to who this was. Yeah, uh, Havala is her name. That she has given birth. She's been pregnant and she's given birth a month early, and all is well. And Nicodemus is now a grandfather once again. So Zohara is. And if you've ever been around a grand, a new grandma, right, she is more eager and antsy than she's ever been to get back to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And she's already started packing. And she wants to get back before the baby is eight days old because in Jewish custom, in eight days old, uh, when eight days the, the baby is named at the on the eighth day, um, if it's a boy, the baby is circumcised on the eighth day. So she wants to get back before that. It's a big deal. She thinks Nicodemus can preside over the circumcision because it's a religious thing. Sure. Right? Yeah. It's not just a medical thing. And Nicodemus says, no, 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 no. His research, research, quote unquote, uh, in Capernaum is not yet complete. He says anybody can f- perform a circumcision. And his research is vital to all of Israel, mm-hmm. not just one baby. Well, his research, right? He's, he's trying to figure out this Jesus th- phenomenon, mm-hmm. this miracle Right, and we've right, we've right. talked about that, right? Uh, well, um, Zohara is not convinced. Her in her attitude, uh, Capernaum is this backwater little town filled with backwater people. Right, right. Yeah. Lo- mean, meanwhile, you have a grandchild who needs you at his bris. Yeah. Or at the bris. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. So um, Nicodemus needs to come to his senses. Is is her take right. on all this. Right. And he says, I have never been closer to my senses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and she, she says, that is not how it looks from the outside. And he says, many things are not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so while they're kind of arguing about this, who pops in the door? Oh, that, that dastardly devil Quintus. Yeah. Quintus, he just barges right in their house. That snidely whiplash uh, yeah. Quintus character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, he so what what's what's he there for? Well, he's got a problem with Jesus. Yeah, he, and he's and wanting he, to know. He needs he needs to know if uh, if I could use his words, uh, basically, if the world of Nicodemus and the world of Quintus slash Roman authority, if those two worlds are on a collision course. Yes, and he needs to know if this collision course has a name and the name of Jesus. Yeah, so. yeah. Is there a, is there a problem? Yeah. here that they yeah. that they need to deal with. Um. So there's a little bit of back and forth between Quintus and Nicodemus mm-hmm. uh, over that. Um, Nicodemus says that there's no real problem, right? Quintus doesn't seem to think Nicodemus seems sure of himself when he says that. And so Quintus drops this little bomb that, well, maybe I'll go talk to Shemuel mm-hmm. because he, you know, he seems very eager to see Quintus. Shemuel does. And then, of course, Nicodemus... Uh, knows how to play the politics game and says, well, you know, the only way to get to know this guy is to go talk to him yourself. Exactly. Exactly. And then of course, Quintus commissions, well, commissions is a loose term, but orders him basically to, well, go talk to him. Go talk to this preacher. And let let me know when and where. Yeah. Cause Quintus wants to barge in on this too. Mm -hmm. Um, So Nicodemus asks him, well, what is it that troubles you about Jesus? 
And he says, preachers have a habit of becoming politicians. That's right. <laughs> they end up, they sprout up like weeds and spread. <laughs> I like that. Not altogether untrue. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Nicodemus, boy, he's got a he's he's got a sharp mind and a sharp tongue. He says, "Well, some plants spread their seed when trampled. Mm-hmm. So who's to say you wouldn't be creating a martyr in this?" Quintus says, "Well, he'll take his chances." And then Zohara, so he leaves. Quintus leaves, and Zohara, she's registering all this, and 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 she like the light bulb comes on, and she says to to Nicodemus in a very accusing kind of way, "You sympathize with this preacher." Mm-hmm. Which he does. Clearly he does. And that's basically, and it's like in that moment she finally realizes that, oh, this is the real re- re- real reason why he's not ready to leave Capernaum yet. Yeah, yeah. Right, it, like, it, like you said, it's that light bulb moment. Yeah, she's so. starting, to, starting to figure things out. So, so the next scene, Jesus and the disciples are at their little camp, right? Um, they're, they're talking about, you know, how long they're going to be staying and, you know, gathering firewood and things like that. And Mary comes in, and she wants to speak with Jesus. Um, and she apologizes for um, interrupting his teaching the day before uh, by bringing that paralytic to him, mm-hmm. right, which we talked about last week. Um, so Jesus says, so you regret that a paralytic is enjoying his first full day on his own feet. <laughs> and she said, no, 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 it's not that. She just, she's... She caused a scene in her mind and cut short his teaching. You know, that's her, that's her, from her vantage point, because she brought this paralytic in, Jesus didn't get to finish his teaching. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, who says, who's to say it was cut short? With their faith, they would have found a way through that, you know, through that, op- that roof, whether Mary brought them to him or not. Right. There's a lot, there's an interesting thing here. And all that, you know, Mary's view is that his teaching was cut short and that was really important. And Jesus says, who's to say that's basically, who's to say that's the most important thing? You know, so there's, there's kind of this idea of almost what happened was what was supposed to happen, Mm -hmm. you know, which I think is sort of an interesting thing to ponder philosophically, right? As Christians, we... You know, we, we get our heads wrapped around the way things are supposed to go in our lives sometimes. And and things happen that, you know, cause a detour, or mm-hmm. a, you know, and we get all bent out of shape about that. And I wonder if Jesus looks at all that and think, no, this was, this was what was supposed to happen. Your plans, like we make plans and sometimes... Sometimes we, I don't know, maybe we need to chill a little bit about our plans and, and take what comes. I guess that's, I guess that's the thing. Jesus rolls with whatever happens. It's okay. You know, it's all, it's all part of the bigger picture. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so like it's, it's, um, we go through life with an agenda Mm -hmm. a lot of times and Jesus agenda is, um, organic. I, I, yeah, yeah, I guess. If you want to put a term I, to I, it. I guess, yeah. His agenda is to respond to th- things around him in a way that's godly. And, and it's just not much more than that, right? So James, is it James that talks about plans? And he says, don't, basically, don't make, don't make 
I think it's James. I, I'm I'm doing a bad job of paraphrasing, but something something like, um, don't make plans to say if the Lord wills tomorrow we'll do this or we'll do that. Oh, right? you, oh, you're not talking about the show. You're talking about in the Bible. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm talking. Uh, Talking about not to be confused between the two. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're not exactly. So the same. yeah, I I, th- I think it's James. I know it's one of the shorter letters. Yeah, I can't I can't think of if it's James in particular, but yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so we, we get uh, here. I, keep I, talking. I'll you yeah do some do <laughs> what, some what uh, do some uh, do some uh, exhaustive and tedious research. There you here. go. So, um, yeah, so, so um, it's okay to make plans, but don't let your plans become, don't get, don't get too married to, um, like, I think this is a good way to just live at peace in the world. Don't get too married to certain outcomes, right? Like it's gotta, it's gotta all unfold in this way or, you know, everything's just going to be wrecked, right? We, we, I think we have to, I think we have to learn to be content, um, which Paul will talk about, right? Um, whatever happens, it's it's okay, and that's sort of where Jesus seems to be coming from in this. Like his Mary looks at this, you know, barging in with this paralytic as a, as an interruption. Jesus says, "No, it's not an interruption at all. This is was kind of what was supposed to happen. Everything's fine." Anyway, so she tells him, um, moving on a bit, that Nicodemus has asked for a private meeting. Uh, Jesus has heard of Nicodemus. Um, she tells him her history with Nicodemus and that he seems, basically he seems like a good guy. He seems honest and, and earnest. Um, she says that he, you know, the thing that stands out to her is that Nicodemus was not offended to learn that somebody else succeeded in healing her where he had failed. They, they talk a bit about how he's not like Shemuel. <laughs> right. And right. He, he is not at all like Shemuel. Jesus says, well, go ahead and arrange the meeting. And he tells her that he has made plans for a dinner party uh, the next evening in a part of town that Mary thinks is not safe. Um, and Jesus tells her not to worry about all that. So uh, what did you find out in your exhaustive research? Uh, it is in James. James, uh, James 4 verses 11. No, excuse me. Verses uh, 13 through 16. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what's it say? As long as you got it, read it. Re- re- uh, the whole thing? The whole... Well, I don't know. Well, let's see. The, uh, the, let me find a good start. The part that's pertinent, if, it, if it's all pertinent. Yeah, he says, uh, so starting in 13, he says, Look here, look here, you who say today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town or we will stay there for a year, we will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It is here for a little while and then it's gone. Yeah. yeah. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Yeah. Other translations will say, if God wills it, or God willing, or Lord willing. Uh, but yeah, James, specifically that verse, James four fifteen. what you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Verse 16, otherwise you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. There we go. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... So I think in in our life with God, we need to we need to hold hold our plans gently, with with kind of a loose grip, mm-hmm. and and as they be, be open to newness, uh, yeah, and open to things that are out of our control, mm-hmm. and don't don't always look at them as a as a 
total, you know, hand grenade in the middle of our plans, but be open to the possibility God's doing something you hadn't thought of. Sure. Right. Yeah. And I, yeah. So there's that, there's that. So, so there's this other little scene and we're not going to, we're not going to talk about it a lot. You, you know, like you should watch, you should watch this, right? This is, this podcast is not a substitute for watching the, like you really need to watch it. It's way better than our talking about it. Right. Right. I think. Uh, Matthew actually goes to see his mother. I I do have something I want to say about this scene. But, okay. But continue on. Well, he goes to see his mother. Fortunately, his father's not at home, mm-hmm. um, or she wouldn't be able to let him in. But she lets him in, and they talk for a few minutes. And and um, Matthew is Matthew is trying is trying to find some answers and some explanation for this turmoil that's going on within him. Mm-hmm. And he's reaching out to the only people that he. Tr- that he could trust, and his mom is one of them. Well, she, and she's not very helpful. Loosely, loosely. Lo- <laughs> Lo- I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and and so, you know, they have this little conversation. She thinks that he's he's got this great gift of a of a mind that has astounded everybody all his life, and she he's now using the gift God gave him to to bleed his people to bleed dry. his people dry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And so finally, she says, "You need to leave." So what 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 do you want to? Well, I just I just I just wanted to point out that in this scene, um, there there is this very awkward tension between the two, uh, and you can and you can see that you can see Matthew he is he is earnestly trying to figure something out, and his mom is uh, not basically not giving him the light of day. Like she, yes. like, like there's, there's not even in just, just watching the scene. Uh, there's no, there's no eye contact, uh, from his mother, unless it's to accuse him of something. Yeah. There's no, uh, there is like, there's no connection and you can, you can see how that is affecting him. And you know, that's, that's a credit to, uh, Mr. Patel, the, the actor playing Matthew. Uh, he's able to portray those, uh, almost like those internal implosions, of this character, because you, you get the feeling that this is something that's happened over a lifetime. Yeah, right. Uh, especially right. with Matthew and uh, his family and his mother specifically, and it. Um, if if you think if anyone thinks that that's a bunch of uh, hooey balooey and hogwash, and uh, I would encourage you to look up something called the Still Face Experiment. Okay, what uh, is it? What is that? This is something that the that the University of Massachusetts did uh, about a decade ago, and basically what they did was they they took a took an infant and her mother and brought them into a into a room uh, for observation, and there was a there was a time where the the mother she's playing with the baby she is laughing with the baby if the baby if the baby points somewhere then the mother will look where the baby's pointing and then you know i did that as i turned away from the microphone yeah, uh, yeah you, but, can, you can't see this you but brendan <laughs> is acting this out very well here. I, yeah i am yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. and 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 the mother is the mother is tuning into the child and then this is where the experiment starts the mother turns away for about five ish seconds and then turns back and even though she is looking right at the baby she is not responding to anything the baby's doing not okay. what, not whatsoever. Not engaging. Not engaging. There, yeah. there is eye contact, but it's almost like a. Uh, if you're a Stephen King fan, it's a dead stare. Okay. If the, if if y'all know what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, 
And then watching the baby try everything she can to get the mother to uh, reestablish connection. Yeah, she to, to she re-engage. screeches. She you know she tries all the old things. She laughs. She points. She she tries to make big motions with her little arms, and nothing's working. So then she starts making louder noises. She she starts screeching. Uh, starts like she, like physically, the baby starts almost wiggling so much out of, like she almost falls out of her seat. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, eventually she just breaks down and cries because of the pain of her mom not connecting with her. Uh, even though her wow. mom's even though her mom's right there in front of her, looking at her, there's no response and there's no attunement, so there's no connection. The baby feels that pain and expresses that pain in the only way a baby knows how to do it. She explodes uh, with crying wow. and tears. So and what is this called again? This is called the still face experiment. Do you have a do you have a link for that? Somewhere? I do have a link to Please it. Please send that to me. We'll put it in the show notes. I haven't seen that. Uh, so here's it's the, a it's a it's a it's a three minute clip. Okay. It's hard to I will say it is hard to watch. At the end of the experiment, though, the mother does, you know, they you know they call the time, and then the mother does eventually reconnect, know, reconnect, and respond, and she she grabs the baby and she picks her up and she holds her and, uh, you know, she it in the end it's okay, but there's the there's the reflection of, you know, there are some people who go their whole lives uh, who don't have that kind of attunement with a parent or with a loved one or yeah, and, yeah. and the, the internal implosions that that can cause on someone's yeah. uh, mental health, on someone's physical health, on, on anything. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, there are a lot of kids, there are a lot of kids that grow up in a family where they don't get a lot of that from one parent or the other, uh, you know, sometimes both. Yeah. And, and we, we sometimes, we sometimes mistake proximity for connection. Mm. Ooh, say, say that again, Ron. <laughs> uh, we, we sometimes mistake proximity for connection. Yes. Just cause you're in the same room does not mean you're, you're connecting right with each other. Um, and especially I, like, I think I'm going to, I'm going to slam our electronic devices now because go ahead, because it's what I, it's, you know, uh, I'm a, I'm a Christian. So we have, we're obligated to do that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you know, we're, we're, um, we're always looking down. Somebody told me this week, was it, was it Tim when we were talking to Tim, it talked about in, um, in, uh, in China or Japan or whatever they, they call it, um, being face down was it was that uh it might have been when we were having breakfast i think so maybe i I think so i feel like i've we've got a friend um who i think mentioned this Uh, yeah so you're you know i mean you see the people going out to dinner together the families you know Mm -hmm. you go to a restaurant you see a whole family mom dad and the kids and they're sitting at the table together and every one of them is looking down at their device Mm -hmm. they're they're not there's no connection there Right. And and like it's easy for most of us to live that way a lot of times. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, like that's that's big. That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And and all that to say, just to just to bring it back to the episode. Uh, when was it? I think it was episode two uh, Shabbat where we, we actually see Matthew bring his prepared dish, whatever it was that he, he cooked. His covered dish. His covered dish. And yeah. he's, he's, bringing it, he's bringing it to the meal, but he stops himself, and then he turns around and goes back home and ends up eating the food with the dog. 
Uh, now we get a more clear representation of the disconnect that Matthew feels, not only from his people, but from his own his family. His own nuclear family. Yes, yeah. exactly. So yeah. and we, we get a picture of that wound. We get a picture of the gap. And then, boy, howdy, at the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, we'll get there in we'll good get time. There. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, we do this thing. Um, we do this thing sometimes. We 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 think we think that if we um, if we're displeased with somebody's actions, we think that the way to express that displeasure is to withhold love. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. We we do that all the time. I've seen that. I've seen a, a group of church leaders talk about, uh, and I've been part of that. I, I can I confess in my early days in ministry, I I was part of this kind of thing, and I was so ashamed of it now. Um, we talking about how um, we need to basic well, we didn't call it this, but we basically need to withhold love from somebody because we're afraid they're going to get the wrong. They're going to they're going to think we approve of their actions mm. if we if we love them. Yeah. My heavens. <laughs> that is the most ungodly thing. Yeah. God does not withhold love mm-hmm. from any of us. You know, but we... God doesn't approve of a lot of our actions, but he does not withhold love. Like we, but we do this all the time. We, we think... I've seen parents do it with kids. We, we, yeah. And this is just kind of what you're talking about. And kids know it, right? They, they feel abandoned, mm-hmm. emotionally abandoned. Yeah, yeah. We got to do better than that. We got to do better than that. I didn't. I didn't really think we. I, like I. I didn't think we were going to get off. Like I didn't think we were going to have that kind of discussion on this little scene. Well, I mean, I just. But it's good. It's good. There you like, go. This yeah. is this is important stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, now we're at Simon's house. Yes. And um, this is the this is the last little scene before the big scene. Mm-hmm. Um, Simon is telling Jesus, like they're getting ready clearly for this meeting with Nicodemus and Jesus. Simon is telling Jesus he doesn't trust this Nicodemus. You know, this could be a trap. After all, Nicodemus is in league with Rome. Um, they're the ones who sent um, who sent uh, Nicodemus to Mary. That's right. In the red quarter, right? Jesus says, Jesus tells Simon that he is well acquainted with risk. And so, after all, is Simon. Yeah. <laughs> Um, risk and, is Simon's oldest friend. According, yeah, Eden, Eden <laughs> according to Eden, yeah. yeah, she jumps in and tells Jesus that Risk is Simon's oldest friend. Yeah. Well, then Jesus tells Simon that Mary is an excellent judge of character. She has known some of the worst kinds of men in this world, mm. and she finds Nicodemus genuine. And and so Nicodemus or Jesus says, "You really maybe ought to trust her instincts and mind." He mm. says, "Yeah." Yep. And um, Simon asks Eden to keep her Ema quiet. Because remember, Simon's uh, mother-in-law, her Ema, uh, Eden's Ema, her mother, yes. is sick there. And they're living. she's living with Simon and Eden now. She's back there in time. the back room hacking up a lung. Hacking up a lung. That's right. <laughs> and, and Simon says, you need, you need to keep her quiet. Um, he doesn't want anybody to know she's sick uh, because... He doesn't want their burdens to become Jesus' burdens. That's right. right? He doesn't want Jesus to feel burdened by their... Isn't that oh, the way we are? Oh, oh, Simon of little faith. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, 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 how often do we, do we decide we're going to tough it out and carry our own burdens rather than invite God into them? Mm-hmm. You know, 
Ah, stupid, yeah. stupid, stupid. Well, because if we if we can fix it ourselves, then you know we're okay. We feel better about it. That yeah. like we don't like asking for help. That's yeah, right. Yeah, even That's from right. God. Well, Andrew shows up about this time, and he's got a cloak um, for Jesus with a with a hood, and he tells Jesus he shouldn't be recognized in that. So. Jesus is, um, they've, they've figured out a way to, for Jesus to be a little more incognito when he's out in public, mm-hmm. right? Not uh, to be confused with an invisibility cloak. No. It's that's not a, that. That's this another is movie. A completely different uh, franchise. Yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> um, so they're, they're planning this event, which we find out is the meeting with Nicodemus, and, and they've, um, they've arranged for them to meet in somebody's house. Um, the owner of the house has given permission for that. Andrew says everything's arranged. So Andrew's kind of arranging the place for this meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, um, so they, 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 that dissipates and everything's, everything's okay. Jesus tells Simon, to, you stay here. You've got family. Take care of Eden. Take care of your mother-in-law. You, you will be okay. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, so... The big scene. And when we say big scene, I, I timed it. This episode is really only 30, 30-ish minutes, 34-ish minutes. Yeah. This scene is 10 minutes long. Yeah. So it, is a, it is the, I, and I think I agree with Dallas. I think it is the, the hook on which season one hangs. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I, uh, yeah. Totally, totally agree. Yeah. Totally agree. Uh, and and he says, and there's a video we, we've got where they talk about this scene. Um, I don't know if you've seen it or not. Well, I, I've seen something. I don't know if it's what you're talking about, but go ahead. Well, we, we've got one, and they talk about this. They show the scene, and then he, Dallas Jenkins talks about how important this is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it is. And oh, we'll is put it, that in the show notes. It's like a behind-the-scenes... A little bit, like interview plus behind the scenes footage, and um, a little bit. I, th- I think yeah. I've seen that one. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. So we'll put it in the show notes, and you can look at it. So, um, Nicodemus. Well, I, I got things to say, but we'll get into it. Nicodemus arrives at this house. Andrew welcomes him, and takes his staff. I don't know if that's a, you know, we're not letting you close to him with a weapon, right? Oh, Can, I, yeah. I don't. I didn't yeah. think about that, but yeah, it could um, be. He tells he tells Nicodemus that Jesus is waiting for him. Nicodemus climbs the stairs up to the roof. This meeting is going to take place in the roof, and it's when we, when he gets up there, it's very dimly lit. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said that he asked for more lanterns, but the owner of the house said it would draw too much attention. And so yeah. that they're yeah. they're trying to keep it dimly lit. Um, um, Nicodemus thanks him for agreeing to meet. And uh, Jesus says, and he's, well, he's just very congenial. He says, thank you for trying to help Mary when you did. Yeah. Like he gives him credit for that. And Nicodemus says, ah, it was no help. Yeah. He, fe- like he feels like a failure. Yeah. And Jesus says, you were meant to be there. And, and um, Nicodemus says, me? So I could fail miserably at an exorcism in the red quarter? Like he just doesn't see... Like what possible, you know, it's just, it was an epic fail in his mind. But Jesus says, if you had not been there that day, would you be on this roof tonight? I like that. Uh Everything leads somewhere. There's, there are, there are no unimportant moments in the kingdom of God. Uh, No events 
that that cannot be used by God to lead you where you want to go or expand your thinking or right. So no unimportant events. I I, I believe that, and that's what he's trying to get across to Nicodemus. Like mm-hmm. you, you see this as a fail, but this was a necessary part of getting you to this point, and this is where you needed to be. So so Nicodemus has got a ton of questions. Uh, he doesn't know where to start. He's just got, you know, he's overflowing with things he wants to know about. He's flabbergasted. Flabbergasted, his, yes. His flummox. His, his flabber has been gasted. Yes, that's <laughs> right. That's right. So they sit down uh, at, at this little table across from each other. Nicodemus says, he starts out by saying the eastern slums, uh, this red quarter, I, I guess, is the same thing. Mm-hmm. He says, many wandering preachers have succeeded in gathering crowds, but their rhetoric and fiery tongue, and, and Jesus interrupts him, he, sa- he says, I've heard a few of those over the years myself. Mm-hmm. And Nicodemus says, so you know the type, but I have never heard anyone tell a par- paralytic to get up and walk, much less see it actually happen. So clearly there's something different about this Jesus. Nicodemus knows it, right? Mm-hmm. And so Jesus says, so what's your conclusion? Like, how are you... How are you processing all this? What do you, what conclusions have you come to? And Nicodemus says, "I believe you are not acting alone." So he's he's there's a big connecting of the dots here in Nicodemus' mind, and he says, "No one can do these signs you do, without having God in him. Only someone who has come from God." Now. This is this is a, this whole conversation is adapted from John chapter three, mm-hmm. uh, verses one through twenty-two. So, read that. Like I would, I would recommend you read it before you watch this. Get the get the conversation in mind. Um, the book's always better, anyway. The book's always better. Yeah, as we all know, right? Um, so that's Nicodemus' conclusion, and it comes right out of John three. No one can do these things unless God is with him. And Jesus asks, and how is that belief going over in the synagogue? <laughs> oh, that, that was a good moment. And they laugh. Yeah. They both laugh about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nicodemus um, says, what have you come here to show us? Like, if you're from God, what have you come here to show us? And Jesus says, the, the, the biggest word in this episode, in my opinion, what have you come here to show us? Jesus says, a kingdom. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a huge piece of theology here, okay? And, and, it, and it's a correct one. Everything, this is what I want to say to people, everything that Jesus came to do and teach is bound up in the concept of the kingdom of God. It is the, the centerpiece of the ministry of Jesus and, and everything else, all the other little doctrinal things that we get um, focused on, uh, salvation, holiness, forgiveness, righteousness, transformation, all, all the other things, church, church polity um, and leadership and like all the other things. Churchonomics. Churchonomics, <laughs> yes. Yeah, boy. Everything, all those other things are rooted in the idea of the kingdom of God. And we will never understood all, understand all that other stuff correctly if we don't root them in the in the in the the, the kingdom, if we don't under, understand what the kingdom is about, and we've talked about that in some of the early episodes of this podcast, 
And and just to be clear, Ron, when you say kingdom, you mean something that's far off in the future that <laughs> that we won't get to until after we shuffle off this mortal coil, right? <laughs> that's that's the kind of kingdom that Jesus is talking about, right? No. Okay. <laughs> you ju- surely you're just was that a was that a softball? Yeah, that was a softball. There no, you no, go. no. That's 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 right. So the kingdom, like this is this is huge, Jesus, and he and he's right. Like what, the way they show this, what have you come here to show us? A kingdom, like this is huge. It is just it is just huge. Nicodemus says. This is what our rulers are worried about. Now, see, they think it's an earthly kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. They, they've got this idea that, that Jesus has come to set up this earthly sort of thing. And Jesus says, no, not, not that kind. Yeah. Not an earthly kingdom. Um, Nicodemus says, then what? And Jesus says, the sort of a kingdom that a person cannot see unless he is born again. This is like the way the way that the, the, the writers of The Chosen put this scene together in, in, in film version is really, really telling. It's, it's very good because you can read this in John 3 and we, all, we read this and there's a, lot, there's a lot we can be confused about in mm-hmm. this conversation that he has with Jesus. So they're trying to help us out a little bit in the, in the dramatized version of this. And I think they're doing a great job of it. This kingdom is a person, is, 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 is the kind of kingdom that a person cannot see unless he is born again, mm-hmm. right? So Nicodemus stumbles over this, this phrase, born again, as he did in John 3. You read it, he doesn't, he's not tracking, mm-hmm. right? So he says, born again. Well, what do you mean by that? You, you mean a new creature or a, a conversion from Gentile to Jewish, which would have been a very Jewish thing to surmise sure. at this point. Yeah. And Jesus says, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So Nicodemus says, well, what is, what is born again? He says, I hope you don't mean returning to the womb because that would be a bit of a problem for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and again, this is deep stuff here. Um, we read those words in John 3, and even now we, we struggle a little bit to, to, to kind of comprehend them. And yet it's, it's very simple. And again, the writers of The Chosen are, are help, trying to help us out with making this conversation a little easier to, for us to grasp. And they're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus says, and truly I say to you, unless, and this is pretty much straight out of the Gospel of John, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. That part of you, that is what must be reborn to, into new life. Mm-hmm. So he's talking about transformation. Like you need a, you need a heart transplant. You need, a, you need your conscience reformed, right? We, we need our soul awoken, to 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 the to the reality that it's that has been buried within us for so long, right? Got to got to change the way you see, got to change the way you be. <laughs> Copyright. True that. Copyright. Yeah. yeah. I don't do I don't do that sort of gangsta talk very well. So I wasn't you, doing gangster talk. It was, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a truth talk. So so Nicodemus says how how can these things be and 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 Jesus says of course he says is, is that you're a teacher of Israel don't you understand this stuff mm-hmm. right 
And he says, I'm trying, Rabbi. So Nicodemus calls Jesus Rabbi. Nicodemus, the rabbi, calls Jesus Rabbi. That's right. So he is putting, this is great because Nicodemus is putting himself at, at the, the, as the, posi- oh. as the position of a, of a disciple yes. with Jesus, the master, the rabbi. Yes, that, that's, that's what's going on here. Um, and Jesus says, I know you're trying, I know. He says, um, he says, do you hear this? Nicodemus says, what? Jesus says, listen, what do you hear? Nicodemus says, the wind, right? Jesus says, well, how do you know it's the wind? He says, well, because I can feel it, because I can hear its sound. Do you know where it comes from? No. Do you know where it's going? No. And Jesus says, this is what it's like to be born of the Spirit. The Spirit may work in a way that is a mystery to you. And while you cannot see the Spirit, you can recognize its effect. So, so we're back to this we're back to this kind of theme that I think permeates all this, and that is to, to trust God when it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Right? And, and Nicodemus says, my mind is, is, is confused uh, with thoughts of what these words are going to stir in the teachers of the law. And Jesus says, yeah, I, I don't expect otherwise. Right? Jesus, uh, Nicodemus says, I speak uh, of what I know and have seen, and it has not been received by the religious leaders. Um, Jesus says it's hard to receive. It, it is. Like what Jesus is calling us all to, what he's inviting us into, like it's a, it's a stretch for most of us because it, it doesn't operate on the basis of human perception or wisdom or anything like that. Or reason. Or reason. What yes, yes. So there, there's, a, there's a, yeah, that's a touchstone in all this too, mm-hmm. right? Um. Jesus says, if, if I've told you of earthly things and you don't believe, how can I tell you of heavenly things? Nicodemus says, I'm, like he's struggling. He's really struggling. He wants to grasp all this. He wants to believe it. He says, I believe your words. I just fear you may not have a chance to speak many more of them before you're silenced. And Jesus says, I come to do more than speak words, Nicodemus. Nicodemus says, more miracles? Jesus says, yes, but, but even more than that. Do you remember? And then Jesus brings up some Old Testament here. Do you remember when the children of Israel complained against God and against Moses in the wilderness of Paran? Yes, they wanted to return to Egypt. They they cursed the manna that God gave him, right? Um, and Jesus says, and then? This manna is so terrible. Yeah, sick of it. Just tired of eating this all the time. This quail uh, is so terrible. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and Jesus said, well, what happens then? And they said, well, they were bitten by serpents and they were dying but God made a way for them to be healed. And Jesus says, Moses lifted the bronze serpent in the desert and people only needed to look at it. So this gets us back to the scene, the, the opening scene of mm-hmm. this thing, right? Uh, Jesus says, so will the son of man be lifted up so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And he's talking about, there's, there's kind of a double entendre here, I think. He's talking about being lifted up on the cross but there's more than one way to be lifted up, right? Like mm-hmm. Jesus becomes the centerpiece. You, you, you hold Jesus out. You, you emphasize Jesus. He is exalted. He is exalted. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, and Nicodemus, he's still struggling. He says, our people are not dying from snake bites. They're dying from taxation and oppression. So this is key to seeing where Nicodemus is coming from here, right? Um, he sees the problem in Israel as Rome. 
right? Rome is the problem. Rome is the thing that's holding his people back. Jesus says, I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint you, Nicodemus, but I did not come to deliver the people from Rome. Mm -hmm. That would have been an unfathomable revelation to most Jews at the time. It's, it's easy to imagine for, for all of us today, it's easy to imagine. It's easy to imagine that our most visible physical needs are the ones that are most important and most damaging to us. They're the, they're the most real, right? So we, we sometimes think that this is the big, these are the, these are the central, central issues of our lives. Jesus often says that's not the center issue of your life. Like there's inner stuff, there's, there's deeper stuff, there's soul level stuff, right? Like sin. Yes. So, so Nicodemus says, then from what? What did you come to save us from? And Jesus says, from sin, <laughs> right? From spiritual death. And then he says, the, the verse of all verses in, in the New Testament, God loves the world in this way. And he quotes John 3.16. John 3.16. Well, he right. doesn't quote it. He well, says it. He says it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, He authors it. He authors it. God loves the world in this way that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And Nicodemus says, so this has nothing to do with Rome? It's all about sin? Mm -hmm. Like that seems too simple, right? And Jesus says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn it. it. He sent him into the world to save it through him. It's as simple as Moses' serpent on the pole, whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. So, whosoever will, whosoever will. That's right. So, so then the, the, the Andrew is is in the background, and he and he's standing there with I think John. I think it's John. I think it's I John. I think it's John. Yeah. And and uh, they're they're listening on the stairwell, and Andrew says, "Have you ever heard anything like this before?" John says, "Shh." As he's probably, writing it probably, down. Yeah, John's taking notes, right? Because he's going to write this in the gospel of John. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, Nicodemus says, when I met Lilith, Mary, the other day, um, or that day, I told my wife and my students that she was beyond human aid. Only God could have healed her. And then I saw her healed. And here you are, the healer. My whole life, I have wondered if I would see this day. Okay, so this is the, the Nicodemus is starting to, breakdown mm-hmm. here like this is this is this whole thing is starting to overwhelm him okay um and jesus says in the midst of in the midst of this there's a he he issues nicodemus an invitation he says follow me mm-hmm. the same the same thing he said to simon the same thing he said to andrew to james and john to to, to mary presumably um Follow me. And Jesus says, and you will see more. Nicodemus says, follow you? Jesus says, join me and my students. In two days' time, we're going to leave Capernaum. Come and see the kingdom that I am bringing into this world. And Nicodemus starts to stammer and stutter. But, 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 I, but I, and Jesus says, you have a, I, I know, right? You mm-hmm. have a position in the Sanhedrin. You have family. You're getting advanced in years. I understand that, but the invitation is still open. And Nicodemus says, invitation to what exactly? To to lead a nomadic life, to give up who I am. This is a it's a it's a difficult thing for him to contemplate. And Jesus says, It's true. There's there's a lot that you would give up. 
but what you would gain is far greater and more lasting. That's the, that's the call of Jesus. Like he, this is, he asks all of us to follow him. Mm-hmm. And yes, we're going to give up some things when, when we do, but we're going to gain a lot more. And, and what I love about this is it's, it's beautiful how understanding Jesus is here with Nicodemus. He doesn't, Nicodemus is struggling and Jesus doesn't condemn him for the struggle. He doesn't chastise him for his lack of faith. He doesn't withhold love. He doesn't withhold love. He understands the, you know, and I don't think, by the way, we'll, we'll see how all this plays out, but I, I mean, you and I know because we've seen, we've seen it all. Mm. I don't think Nicodemus is rejecting Jesus in the choice that he makes. Yeah. At all. Right. But he can't, he can't, he doesn't feel like he can upend his life to follow him in the way Jesus is inviting him to. Yeah. Right. I don't, but I don't think he's rejecting Jesus and all this. Anyway, Nicodemus says, isn't this, is this one of your born again mysteries? And Jesus says, well, he laughs. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe. I know mysteries aren't easy for a scholar. Boy, is that the the understatement, right? I've spent a lot of time in my life around scholars and that's, that's true. Um, but he says, think about it. Uh, take your time. In the, on the morning of the fifth day that we're going to leave and we'll meet up at the, at the well at the southern quarter, the invitation stands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you going to say something? I, I was just going to go on, just say a note about the mystery thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I just, I think it's interesting, you know, interesting. He says, uh, what does he say again? Mystery? Uh, mysteries aren't easy for a scholar. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. The, uh, when he says that in the episode, that made me think of just uh, just Christian, Christian history in general, uh, especially post-Enlightenment, post, and even if you want to, if you even want to say post-Reformation, uh, where, where uh, the mystery element of our faith is pigeonholed and... Uh, or, or even subdued. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's like now we, well, I'm not going to go off on a tangent, but what, I, what I'm liking about this series and this thing in particular, this scene in particular is that, uh, yes, there is something about the faith that we have that is beyond reason. It is, it is beyond understanding, uh, which is the call to faith. Uh, and it's, it's just mysterious how it works. Yeah. So yeah. That's, yeah. 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 I was I was just th- thinking of yeah, that. Yeah. And 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 you're right. The the post enlightenment world. You know, the age of reason. Right. Exactly. You've got John, yeah. You've got John Locke and you've got all, all those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, even our own Alexander Campbell. Mm-hmm. Um, um, tried to kind of a, approach the Bible as a to use the tools of the enlightenment, reason and and rationality, and approach that to Bible study because they saw. Those guys saw that Europe had been torn asunder by religious wars, mm-hmm. right? Between, yep. between people who th- called themselves Christians. And they were, they were looking for a way. You know, is, not there, is, is, is there not some way to do Christianity that doesn't lead us to war with one another, right? And their answer was, let's take the tools of the Enlightenment, reason and rational thought, and let's apply that to the study of the Bible. And, and, and if we can all just reason our way to Scripture... 
to an understanding of scripture, we'll all come to the same conclusions and then we don't have to kill each other. Yeah. Right. That, that was their, their thesis. Mm-hmm. And it makes some sense. It didn't work out quite that way. Right. I mean, most of the time we're not killing each other anymore, but there's still religious wars. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, um, but in our, in our effort to do that, you're absolutely right. We, we've, we've sort of made, um, uh, kind of a God, a, a little bit out of reason and rationality. And yeah. I'm all for reason and rationality. Sure. But, but there is a, there is a mystery that like, we're, we're not going to get God all figured out. Yeah. He's, he's going to surprise us. Sometimes he's going to stretch us. He's going to do things that don't on the surface make sense because in God's, um, oikonomos his God's economy. Oh, hi. um, how about that for a big word? Oh, um, there, there's another, like there's more than what we see. It, uh, and this kind of ties back into the conversation between Nicodemus and Shmio, Sh, that, that guy. Yeah. Uh, I think it was last episode. Yeah. Cause it was on the way to see the paralytic right before that scene. Um, you know, Nicodemus basically asked Nick, or I, I have it on my notes right here. Shemuel. Shemuel yes. Uh, he says, Sammy. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. Shammy. <laughs> Shammy. Um, Nicodemus says, and if God did something that contradicted Torah, would you tell him to go back in that box that you carved for him? Or would you question your interpretation? Right, and, right. you know, are you going to, are you going to try to put limits on the almighty or put constraints yeah. on the almighty? Um, and yeah, it just, it, this, this scene stirs me. Yeah. Yeah. It quickens me. Yeah. Me too. To me use too. some KJV language. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, if you, if you think that God that you can get God figured out and He's never going to do anything that you haven't mapped out or, or understood, like you're you're not seeing God. Like God is God is always going to surprise us, mm-hmm. right? Um, well, not always, but but you know, our ways are not His ways, right? Even if we're following Him, we, He's He's still more than we are. Yeah. So, so they stand up, Nicodemus and Jesus, and and Jesus uh, and Nicodemus says, "Is, is this, is the kingdom of God really coming?" That's his. That's his. As they finish this conversation, that's his question. And Jesus says, "What does your heart tell you?" And Nicodemus says, "My heart is swollen with fear and wonder." That's a good. That's a good description. Yeah. of what Jesus does to us, right? And Nicodemus starts weeping. And he says in the midst of his tears, he says, it can tell me nothing except that I am standing on holy ground. And then he begins to chuckle a little bit amidst his tears. And he says, holy roof anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Jesus says, I do hope you'll come with us, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus bows down, mm-hmm. takes Jesus' hand and kisses it. And Jesus says, what are you doing? Get up, you ain't got to do that. And Nicodemus, trembling and weeping, starts quoting what we know as Psalm 212. Mm. He says, kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. And Jesus lifts him up and Jesus finishes the psalm and says, blessed are all who take refuge in him. And then Jesus embraces Nicodemus with a full-on full body embrace and Nicodemus balls mm-hmm. like a baby. Such a beautiful, like this is my favorite. It's my favorite scene too. Good, good stuff. I love it. I just love it. 
there's a just real just real quick to plug something from the from the chosen's YouTube channel. Another another extracurricular video to watch. Um, so early earlier this year, send me send me the link to what I don't know what you're going to say, but send me the link to that video and I'll make sure I get it in the notes too. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's the uh, so earlier this year on the YouTube channel they streamed they streamed the series during Easter, I think in the week leading up to Easter or or somewhere close to Easter. And when they broadcasted this episode immediately after they had Eric Avari call in and Dallas and and Eric had a little conversation, uh, call in, call in via zoom. So, you know, we could, we could see Eric and at the time Eric was self quarantining, uh, you know, again, this is way back in April. So, uh, the conversation they have about this scene is, uh, it's very interesting to hear from a from a director actor perspective. Yeah, uh, and it's just I would I would just encourage everyone after you watch this scene to watch that to see to seek that interview with uh, Eric Avari and Dallas Jenkins J- Dallas Jenkins and excuse me and then also the behind the scenes interview with Dallas himself that that you mentioned earlier. Just check those out. Yeah, and yeah. 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 So links, me, links will link. be in the show notes. We will put links in the show notes to, to, yes. to all this stuff. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, so the, the, the last scene, uh, in the, in this episode, Matthew is at his tax booth. Um, Gaius is standing there guarding the tax booth. He asks him if he saw the Parthian foot races last night. Matthew says, Jews don't go to foot races. Gaius says, uh, your old friend Simon himself used to run the wagering tables. That, mm-hmm. that, that doesn't, that, that tracks right from what we know about Simon. (laughs) Matthew says, we're not friends. (laughs) Guy says, okay, fine. So you did not go to the races. What'd you do? Did you stay home? Matthew says, I went to see my mother. Mm -hmm. We already talked about that. Yeah. Guy says, uh, that would put me out too. Did she ask when you're going to give her grandchildren? Cause that's a mother thing to Mm -hmm. ask. Right. Matthew says, she didn't ask. Guy says, wait, I thought your parents didn't speak to you. And Matthew says, what we all know, he had questions that he couldn't ask anyone else. And Gaius says, a mother with a son like you should be proud. And Matthew says, again, what we know, she's ashamed that I could use a talent God gave me against God, which is how a Jew would certainly view tax collectors. Mm-hmm. Gaius says, which is a, like, this is a comment of, of respect, I think, for, for Matthew. He says, you're good at something and you found a way to make a living doing it. It's that simple. Matthew says, it must be nice to live in a simple world. And he says, we live in the same world, Matthew. Besides, what else are you going to do with a mind like yours? So here's that pivotal question Uh again that we're about to see an answer to. And because at that moment, Jesus walks by the the tax booth and their eyes meet, his eyes and Matthew's. And after a few more steps, Jesus stops and he turns around and begins to walk back. And he calls out, Matthew, Matthew. Matthew, son of Alphaeus. Matthew's eyes get big and he says, yes. And Jesus says, follow me. Matthew says, me? All the while these Jumanji drums start going off. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a big deal. I love it. Why is it always so easy for us to assume that Jesus has no interest in us? Mm -hmm. You know, why would God choose me for anything we think? That's because self-pity can be more comforting than Jesus. Yes, yes. For a lot of us, that's right. For, that's right. Jesus says, yes, you. And and now Simon butts in because he's there, right? He gets up to G, up in Jesus' face and says, now hold on, hold on. What are you doing? 
He sees where this is headed. Mm -hmm. Like, no, 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 no. What are you doing? Matthew says, you want me to join you? And then Gaius speaks to Jesus. Keep moving, street preacher, Mm -hmm. right? And Simon, still trying to talk Jesus down off the ledge here, says, "Um, do you think, do you have any idea what this, what this guy's done? You know, um, do you even know him? Jesus, of course, says, yes. Yes, he does know him. Of course he knows him. He knows him better than Simon does. Mm -hmm. Matthew starts to grin just a little bit. And he whirls around, walks out of his tax booth, locks it up, and and he's prepared. Like, he's going. And Gaius grabs him kind of forcefully. And um, he says, what do you think you're doing? Like, Gaius sees where this is headed, too. Mm -hmm. And Matthew says kind of strongly to, to, to this Roman, he says, Gaius, let me go. Gaius says, have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you do. You're going to throw that all away? And Matthew looks him square in the face and says, yep. Mm-hmm. And he hands Gaius the key to the tax booth and his little signet ring, which symbolized his authority. Uh, remember, remember what Paul says in, uh, in Philippians 3, 7 and 8? No, I don't. Tell me. Well, you do. You just you don't remember it's Philippians 3, 7, and 8. But he oh. says, whatever gain I had, oh, yes. I count it as loss mm-hmm. for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. That's Matthew. That's where Matthew is right now, mm-hmm. right? Simon, Simon's still on his campaign, right? And he says to Jesus, he says, I don't get it. And Jesus says, you didn't get it when I chose you either. And Simon says, but this is different. I'm not a tax collector. And Jesus says, and I love this, I love this. Jesus says to Simon, he says, you should get used to different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Catchphrase of the series. You should get used to different, yeah. Jesus does not march to our tune. He, he, he loves people that we find so unlovable. We should learn that. Mm-hmm. We should really learn that. Max, Matthew walks up to Jesus and Jesus says, I'm glad we passed by your booth today, Matthew. And then he says, you know, let's go. He says, shall we? And they begin to turn and leave. And he says to, to Matthew, he says, we have a celebration to prepare for. That's right. And Gaius hollers out, you'll regret this, Matthew. And Matthew's carrying a, a tablet that he just took from the tax booth. Simon sees it and says, what's the tablet for? I wonder, I wonder if that's everybody's tax records. I, I thought it was the, the tablet that Quintus gave him a couple episodes ago to keep track of Simon. Oh, maybe. maybe I, th- I, I thought, I I thought it was that, that one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so he says, what's the tablet for? And, and Matthew says, I grabbed it without thinking. And then he turns to Jesus and says, I can put it back. And Jesus says, no. Keep it. You might find use for it. So there's probably some foreshadowing there. It'll be interesting to see if that comes back again. And then Matthew asks, where are we going? And Mary chimes in and says, a dinner party. Matthew says, I'm I'm not welcome at dinner parties. And in the last line of this episode, Jesus says, that's not going to be a problem tonight because you're the host. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Such good stuff. And then boom, the chosen. Yeah, yeah. So I guess the way I want to wrap this up, this episode up, is 
Jesus, like this is my, I feel like, I feel like I'm back as a preacher again, because this is, this is a little bit like an invitation, um, which I don't want this to be cheesy, but here's the thing. Jesus issues an open invitation to everyone. Mm-hmm. Come, follow me. And it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, decent and upstanding, or pretty rough around the edges, as some of us have been. It doesn't matter whether you're talented or untalented. There is a place for everybody in the kingdom of God, and he will change us all. We all start as hungry beggars, far less than our master, and far less today than what we will be, right? What, what he will make us into. And he offers the same thing to all of us. You ready for this? Notice, notice the way I'm about to bring this all oh, man. together. You ready? Oh, man. Jesus offers the same thing to all of us. Relationship, renewal, and purpose hey. in the kingdom of God. Now those you got that? Those sound that? familiar. Yeah. I did, wonder. Did you like how I, I did that? I do. I do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That is what Jesus offers all of us. Mm-hmm. Relationship, renewal, and purpose in the kingdom of God. And it's a it's an open invitation. Follow me, and you get all that. Whosoever will. Whosoever will. Yep. And with that, I want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, I hope you'll join us again uh, next week. Uh, I don't know what next week will look like. It's Thanksgiving. I hope everybody has a thanks, a good Thanksgiving. Sure. I hope you're able to spend it with family in spite of the... The pandemic. The, 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 the worldwide global pandemic. That's right. Yeah. That's right. But I hope you'll join us again next week um, and the week after where we will. I don't think we'll do episode eight next week. I think there'll probably be something else. The week after that, we'll do episode eight. And I hope you'll join us for, for that and, and all the rest of these. As always, we would appreciate it if you tell others about the podcast. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, wherever wherever you go. Wherever finer podcasts are. That's started. right. That's right. High-end podcasts mm-hmm. such as this one. Uh, please visit us on our on our Facebook group, our languishing Facebook group, um, which I am horrible at managing. Um, if there's things you want us to talk about on on the podcast or on this, we're almost done with the chosen. Um, ask them there and, and let us know. Check out our website, thejesussociety.com. Thanks for listening, and remember, say it, Brendan. You are greatly loved.